Elisha looks down and his mantle's there. And what does Elisha do? Picks it up. Brothers and sisters, you need to pick it up. Pick it up. See, in front of each one of you, there is a mantle of some sort. There is a God's will to change the world through your life. And you need to reach down and pick that thing up. But I think for a lot of us, we see the mantle there and we're like, oh Lord, I hope someone else comes and picks it up. Opportunities for serving God will arise in our lives. God lays plans at our feet and gives us the choice whether we'll take them up or not. Throughout today's message, Pastor Daniel urges us to do just that, pick up the opportunities God has given us. We sadly sometimes walk away from these chances to serve, hoping that someone else will come along and take care of it. What are we missing in those moments? And what will we gain by jumping in? Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message, The Double Portion. Elisha was the biggest, baddest prophet around. Like, he was the man. I mean, the prophets of Baal, all this stuff that goes on. Elijah had a huge reputation. This man created a wake. He was a force to be reckoned with. And Elijah says to him, I get a double portion of your spirit. Now, when you hear that, you might think, well, that's kind of a weird thing to say. He's like, like I want to be like twice as powerful as you. The double portion was not... I want to be twice as strong as you. It has a different implication. If you've read your Bibles, the gift of the firstborn in a family who becomes the new head of the family gets a double portion of the inheritance. So really what Elisha is asking for is like, I want to be the person who now takes care of the ministry that you've been taking care of. See, Elisha is really asking for, I actually want to be when I was called, when Elijah put his mantle on me. I actually want to be that guy now. And he's really asking for the spiritual wherewithal, the spiritual currency to be able to live out who God called to be. Now, that's why I say we need to dream God-sized dreams. Because I hope in your life, just like I hope in my life, that we are experiencing and living a life that is on the edge of what we feel ready for, what we feel equipped for that we find ourselves kind of in deep waters with the Lord. That the Lord, because the Lord is looking for us to take these crazy steps of faith, but we kind of like playing it safe, don't we? See, Elisha saying, I actually want to be who God sees me to be, but I don't really quite know that I'm that guy. And listen, we become God's inside man or woman when we're willing to be outside of our comfort zone living into the life that God sees for us, but we're not quite sure we're ready to do. Elisha is willing, at the very least, to ask Elijah for this. He's willing. I love Elijah's response because in verse 10 he says, you have asked a hard thing. Why is it hard for Elijah? Because he knows he can't give it. It's not his to give. It's the Lord's work. 
And I love that. See, this is how you know Elijah is a great discipler or a great mentor because he realized what's theirs to do and what's God's to do. And a good discipler. Now, for those of you who are in discipleship ministry and would to God that all of us would be, we have to realize what our role is and what the Lord's role is. Our job is to be a vehicle for the Lord's will to be seen in someone else's life. And we don't hold all the cards. Our job is just to help facilitate people seeing what God sees in their life. I remember when I first met my pastor, John Henry, and I was just in love with this guy. And I just thought, man, this guy's amazing. And I said, will you disciple me? Because I've been in church long enough to know the phrase. And he said, well, nah. (laughs) So he said, he's like, how about we sit at the feet of Jesus together and we see what he's up to? Now, that's a great definition for discipleship, isn't it? Let's just sit at the feet of Jesus together and see what he's up to. See, what I didn't realize, actually, what I think I did realize is that he actually kind of knew what God was up to, and I didn't have a clue. And he helped me understand the rhythms of God, the rhythms of God's grace, the way his spirit was working. And as we sat at the feet of Jesus together, he began to show me what God was up to, help me to understand what God was up to. This reminds me, of course, of the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Speaking of dreaming God-sized dream like Elisha is here. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who could do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we could ask or think. What that says is that our problem is that our vision is not too big, it's too small. Now, I want to speak for one second to those of you who are here who have yet to say yes to Jesus. You can't even fathom how amazing it is to follow the Lord. It's like, to say it's mind-blowing is not even fair. If you were to take the step today to say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I'm going to start to follow the Lord, I'm here to tell you that you will experience things that you never even could have fathomed was possible. Know how I can say that? Because every single day, God's blowing my mind. Every single day, something goes on that I realize, man, God is nuts. This is, it's amazing, the stuff that goes on. It's amazing. The way God works. And so if you're just checking Jesus out, you're wondering about, you know, this Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing, I'm here to tell you, if you take that step, even today, and start following Jesus, it will absolutely, you will be like, I can't This is so extraordinary. It's extraordinary. So we've got to dream God's size dream. Now look at what happens. In verse 11, Elijah says, look, if you see me when I go, then you'll have that double portion. You will receive the inheritance of the ministry that I've been called to. Now in verse 11, it says, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elisha that had fallen from him and went back stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, 
it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now, I don't know about you, you read verse 11 and it's like, huh? Like you read, it's like, you would think that in the Bible they would give us thousands of verses on this, but they give us one verse, right? They were talking and all of a sudden a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. This is Elijah's translation from earth to heaven. Now you say, okay, a chariot and a horse. You got to realize that in 850 BC, a chariot and a horse was like the modern day super stealth bomber, atomic bomb. It was like the ultimate fighting machine. You might be like, really? Yeah, it's a long time ago. It's like if you had a horse with a guy on the back with a spear, you got some business done. This was like the top shelf military. But these aren't just any old horse and chariot. This is horses and chariots of fire and a whirlwind. And the idea of the whirlwind was not only like, when we think of whirlwind, we think of wind that's whirling. But this has got lightning and fire. This is like a big happening. And real quick, all of a sudden, this chariot swoops through. They get separated. Elisha is gone. And Elisha's like, what? He cries out. All of a sudden, Elisha's gone. And he tears his clothes, which was a sign of great remorse. When something was really bothered, they would rend their garments. So this is a big thing. Just what they knew was going to happen. Now it happens. And Elisha is beside himself. But notice, look at what happens. Verse 13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the banks of the Jordan. Right? This whole thing happens, right? Elisha moves from ministry on earth to ministry in heaven. He goes from what we would call the church militant to the church triumphant. He's been translated, and all of a sudden this all happens, and Elisha looks down, and his mantle's there. And what does Elisha do? He picks it up. Brothers and sisters, you need to pick it up. Pick it up. See, in front of each one of you, there is a mantle of some sort. There is a God's will to change the world through your life, and you need to reach down and pick that thing up. But I think for a lot of us, we see the mantle there, and we're like, oh, Lord, I hope someone else comes and picks it up. I don't really want it. I'm busy here. It's life's crazy, and I got some issues. Brothers and sisters, we need to pick it up. See, Elisha sees, he sees Elisha go to heaven. But the double portion became his when he picked it up. Isn't that awesome? It's like, we want God just to give it to us. And God's like, no, it's right there. You just got to pick it. Brothers and sisters, what mantle is right in front of you that God is desiring to do that you're just watching it? You're just waiting. Brothers and sisters, pick it up. Just reach down. Pick that mantle up. That's the work that God has in front of you. I think sometimes we kind of want like someone to show up and be like, okay, this is what God wants to do in your life. No, no, it's right in front of you. It's right there. You just have to be willing to pick it up. Because as he picks it up, and I love it, he ends up, he goes back to the Jordan River. They just crossed over, right? And he's sitting there, and look at what he says. It says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? So what did he do? He did exactly what he saw Elijah do. He rolled up the mantle, struck the water, and guess what? The thing's parted. 
Do you believe that God has placed the mantle right in front of you and he's just waiting for you to take it? Do you believe that literally God has chosen you to be a part of the recreating of the world in Jesus' name? You, just as you are, with all the stuff you got going in your world, God is looking for someone who's willing just to grab the thing. And in grabbing whatever God has placed in front of you, whatever it looks like, God's kingdom happens. See, I think what it is, is we actually want to pick up what's not in front of us. We want to pick up this idea that we have. Right? When really what God wants to do, he wants you to embrace what's right in front of you. Just take that thing and say, Lord, this is what's in front of me. I'm going to drive it like I stole it. I'm going to just go for this thing. I'm here to tell you, and I don't pat myself on the back. The only reason I'm in ministry is because of that. I just did the next thing that was in front of me. So, okay, we'll just do that. Okay, I'll just do that. I remember, like, when Dr. Bill Ritchie talked to me about coming to Crossroads, it was like, I had no business being here. It's like, like, what? You know? And I remember the Lord just like, no, no, Daniel, I want you just to do that. I want you to do that. I want you to take a step of faith. But I think what happens is we have a tendency to think, well, actually, what I want to pick up is this. When really, I think God just wants you to grab what's right in front of you. What's right in front of you? Take it. Grab it. Now, he goes back over to the Jordan room. Now, don't miss the fact that there was 50 of these prophets who were waiting, right, at the Jordan River. They were sitting there, and they were waiting for what was going to happen. Look at verse 7. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. So there's 50 people there. Now, Elijah is gone, and Elisha's there, and he's got Elijah's mantle now. He's got his cloak on. And then in verse 15, it says, So when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord had taken him up against him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. But when they urged him, Till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore, they sent the 50 men, and they searched for three days, but did not find them. And when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? I love this little story, because like you think, here's the guy, he's got the mantle of Elijah, this guy's the guy. And he goes, they're like, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. And then they're like, listen. We need to go find Elijah. Maybe the spirit took him to some other place. And he's like, no, no, no. That's not what happened. Like, no, no, no. We have to go. Like, right away, this guy's got the mantle of Elijah, and nobody trusts him. Nobody believes him. Elijah knew where Elijah was. He wasn't on some mountain up. He got taken home. He's back with the Lord. But notice what he does. He says, okay, go. Send him. What does this teach us? When you pick up your mantle, you still got to be flexible. You still got to be flexible, right? They didn't yet believe that Elisha had the giftings that Elijah had because he was still untested. He was still untried. And so what's amazing is Elisha knew that it was a fool's errand to go look for Elijah because he wasn't there, but he let him go anyway. You know why? Because sometimes people just need to learn for themselves. And it's not that Elisha didn't tell them not to waste their time, but because they really wanted to waste their time, he let them. 
Because sometimes the only way you learn is to take your own lumps, right? It's just a great, I just thought it was such a beautiful, strange picture. Because you think, man, this guy's got the mantle of Elijah. They see God's spirit on him like he was on Elijah. But they're not listening to him still. And you know, that's okay too. Because everyone's on their own journey. You don't think that when they came back and they couldn't find Elijah, and Elijah's like, I told you, you didn't have to go. You think maybe they thought to themselves, this guy's on the inside with the Lord. He knows where Elijah is. And our calling is tried through experience, isn't it? The things that God wants to do, we do learn, we do learn how to do this stuff, and we see giftings at work over time. So be flexible. If somebody doesn't trust you right away, when you step out and pick up that mantle, it's okay. Everyone's learning and growing. Even these prophets, they all knew that Elijah was leaving, but when he left, maybe he took him to another mountain. Maybe he needed a spa day or something, on Mount Ararat or something. Who knows? Look at what happens in verse 19 now. It says, then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation in the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. And so the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel And from there, he returned to Samaria. Now, we have two miracles here. But if you want to be God's inside man or inside woman, you need to let God be miraculous. You need to believe in the miraculous hand of the Lord, that God being miraculous works miraculously. The first story, they're in Jericho, right? And the men are like, isn't this a great city? It's a wonderful city. And this is great, but we have a problem. The water is bad. So they're having a water problem. That's kind of going on some places in America right now. It's on the news, right? So Elisha, they come to Elisha, and they're looking for help. And Elisha says, I want you to bring me a new bowl, and I want you to put salt in it. Now, I don't know about you. Anybody want to make water good by putting salt in it? <laughs> That's dumb, right? Do you ever try and drink water at the ocean? salt water never makes water good except when you remember that salt in the Bible is one of God's forms of flavoring and purification. See, this is a picture. Elisha is doing a new thing, a new bowl, salt. And Elijah takes this new bowl, puts the water in it, puts the salt in it, puts it back in the water supply, everything gets healed. And I'm going to talk more about this in subsequent weeks, but God's ways of doing things are just strange. But God wanted to heal the water of Jericho. And so God used Elisha to do it. And then the second miracle is fascinating because what you have 
He goes up to Bethel, and Bethel was kind of the center of pagan worship in that community. And he shows up, and all of a sudden, a group of young people came up, and they mocked him. Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Now, you have to realize that I realize that we live in quite regal times where we like our men to have nice regal haircuts, but back in the day, having like a tight cut was actually a sign of spiritual weakness. Imagine that, huh? I'm the spiritual one. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So like guys who had no beards were considered to be spiritually inferior. And so them calling him a bald, they're really just mocking the prophet of the Lord. Why? Because he was a prophet of the Lord. Now we don't know if Elijah had hair or not. We don't know these things. But the young people in the center of pagan worship, the prophet of the Lord shows up with his mantle and they start mocking him. And really what they were doing is they were mocking the Lord. And so Elisha calls out a curse on them and two female bears come up. And imagine if there's 80 young people, right? And two female bears show up. What do you think the chances of 42 young people dying in that are? Pretty slim, right? Because I don't know about you. If I saw a bear, I'm running, right? But 42 die. Why? Because... This is showing God protecting his prophet. God's protection upon his person. And that's really what the point of this is. It's like this mob of young people come out to malign and mock the prophet of God. And God's not having any of it. Brother and sister, talk about being God's inside person. You realize that when you on mission with the Lord, he's got the back of his own people. I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we think that God wants to send us out there and is going to leave us unprotected. Elisha is God's inside man and a gang of young people mocking the aged prophet got nothing. Because he's on mission, the true and living God. And if you're one of those people today who's concerned, struggling, fearful that God doesn't have your back, I'm here to tell you, our Bibles say he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Our Bibles say that he protects his own. And he has you. He didn't send you out there uncovered, unprotected. But the miraculous God still allows his servants to be mocked sometimes. Puts us in precarious situations that we might see the salvation of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, as we study the life of the prophet Elisha, I want you to begin to see your lives as you are God's man, God's woman, right where you find yourself that God is looking for available people to see his kingdom be made manifest right where we are. Jesus is real. God has incredible kingdom plans to accomplish on this earth, and he wants to use us to accomplish them. Today, Pastor Daniel challenged us to seek God's plan for our part of the kingdom. 
and to not be afraid to step into the challenge with God by our sides. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I am super stoked about my brand new book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. Loving God, loving yourself, loving people. I want you to pick up a copy of my book because Jesus said this is the most important thing. And if Jesus said it's the most important thing, then we want to cultivate it and grow in it. This book is going to be a blessing to you and all your loved ones. Get a copy wherever you like to buy your books. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. This month, we'd like to offer you a copy of Pastor Daniel's brand new book, Upward, Inward, Outward, Loving God, Loving Yourself, and Loving People to Anyone Who Supports Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $15 or more. This just isn't any copy. It's a special signed copy. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com to get your own copy of Upward, Inward, Outward by Daniel Fusco. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will talk with us about God's strange ways of going about things. There are times, especially throughout the Bible, where we're left wondering what God's actually doing. He always has a plan, though. We can bank on it. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, Inside Man, The Life of Elisha. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 